0: Welcome to the podcast, People of the Book. I'm your host, Meryl Ayn. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We chat with authors and storytellers in thought-provoking and intimate interviews, all with a Jewish twist. On today's program, I'm delighted to welcome Michelle Cameron as my guest. Michelle is the award-winning author of several works of historical fiction and poetry, including Beyond the Ghetto Gates, The Fruit of Her Hands, The Story of Shira of Ashkenaz, and In the Shadow of the Globe. Her new novel, Babylon, a novel of Jewish captivity, is the multi-generational biblical saga of Sarah, her children and grandchildren, exiled to Babylon when King Nebuchadnezzar's army conquers Judea and destroys the temple. Michelle lived in Israel for 15 years and served as an officer in the Israeli army, teaching Air Force cadets technical English. She is a director of the Writer's Circle, a New Jersey-based organization that offers creative writing programs to children, teens, and adults. She lives in New Jersey with her husband and has two grown sons. So, Michelle, thank you for joining me today. And this is actually the second time you've been a guest on People of the Book, podcast. You were actually the inaugural author on our first broadcast about a year and a half ago. So welcome back.
1: Well, thank you, Meryl. It is absolutely delightful to be back.
0: Thank you. Let's start by talking about your new novel, Babylon. I hardly know where to start. There's so much to unpack. And ask about your mesmerizing, beautifully written, multi-generational biblical saga. So, why don't you start by giving our less listeners a brief summary of Babylon?
1: Absolutely, if you so, can
0: make it brief.
1: <laughs> I will. I will do my best. So, Babylon begins with the um, Nebuchadnezzar's forces. Um, Coming uh, to Jerusalem and basically destroying the city, um, burning down the temple, and taking into captivity thousands of Judeans, including um, Sarah, who is a a major character in the novel, and her cousin Reuben. Um, They... um, have to take this horrendous march through the desert until they reach Babylon, at which point um, they are settled. in very, The, the, the uh, Judeans are settled in various places. Um, they meet uh, Sarah, a musician. Um, and Sarah and Sarah have a very, very, very brief um, affair. Um, which results in uh, Sarah's first child, uh, Uri, um, who becomes a scribe. Um, The the book really centers on how the Judeans have to avoid temptation um, because Babylon, of course, is at this point the center of the world. It is a very wealthy a very wealthy empire, and so many of the Judeans who had been brought over are tempted to um, change their faith, to become adherents to Marduk and the other gods, and to simply assimilate into the culture. Uh, The book also deals with um, the the nobles of Babylon, including Nebuchadnezzar's three children who were vying for control of um, the kingdom after their father's death. Um, And it is... um, It is a uh, often bloody um, novel uh, because of of all of the conflict going on, but it is also very much um, a novel of hope that eventually the Judeans will be able to return to Judea, which in the end, they they can. Um, It also treats of several of the prophets from the Bible, uh, particularly Daniel, who, um, as we learn, kneels by his window three times a day to pray in the direction of Jerusalem, um, as well as toward the end of the novel, in particular, Ezra, who um, has a very um, challenging road where he actually ends up saying that in order to preserve um, the Jewish faith, he exiles the many many uh non-jewish wives and children yeah that um, was
0: yeah that was that was my mind boggling and i was i was wondering if that actually um happened so that actually did happen um what what you know you're you're um you write historical fiction but this is really um going back very, very far. What what inspired you to tell this very ancient story?
1: Well, it actually happened um, when I was writing um, The Fruit of Her Hands, which dealt with the rise of anti-Semitism in medieval Europe, and in particular with the burning of 24 cartloads of um, volumes of the Talmud in a Paris market square. And while I was writing that scene and my heroine Shira was watching these carts um, rumbling past her, she suddenly remembered the, um, the Psalm 137 about um, by the rivers of Babylon. And something just sort of woke inside me. Um, in the fruit of her hands, I had touched upon the issues of assimilation versus maintaining faith. But I realized that the story of Babylon, I would really be able to delve into that struggle. Um, and so that was kind of the inspiration for it. So before you started
0: um, writing the book, I am wondering how familiar were you with this time period in in Jewish history? Um, was this something that you knew something about or, or did this involve I'm, I assume it did massive research. And, and what was your research process like?
1: So no, absolutely. it required quite a bit of research. And what's interesting about researching a time period that goes so far back is um, the fact that we know we know a great deal, but a lot of it is supposition. And in fact, one of the really fascinating things, um, and I posted about it actually yesterday, is that more and more uh, archaeology that is taking place is showing that a lot of what we read about in the Bible is, in fact, um, fact. Um, so, you know, so that, that's that been interesting mm-hmm. to see. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I had to read a great deal about what Babylon itself was like. Um, I had to um, read books like Josephus, which um, is a little bit suspect um, in terms of his veracity. Um, and, of course, read the Bible. And try and take the stories from the Bible that deal directly with Babylon and try and imagine um, what could or could not truly have happened. There are a lot of miracles, especially in um, the book of Daniel, that I had to figure out a way to balance between the miracles as stated in the Bible, um, which I know a lot of my readers um, will, in fact, believe may have, in fact, happened, versus what you know my more pragmatic sense would say. Well, maybe this is how it could have happened.
0: So that well, how was did you, how thing. did you? How uh, did you? What was your process <laughs> in 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 doing that?
1: Well, that I mean, so. It, yeah, no. So, for example, there's the very famous scene of um, the handwriting on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I took um one of my characters um, who was one of Daniel's friends, and I had him there in, you know, sort of swathed in a black cloak. And the assumption was, Maybe he was the one who wrote on the wall, but mm-hmm. I never, I never explicitly said that. So there was a lot of that. There were there were times when some of the stories that were being told out were called into question by the Judeans. Um, the very famous Daniel in the Lion's Den was basically um, told as a dream. Mm-hmm. So there there, there were. Um, I had to, I had to look for some very creative ways yeah, <laughs> to really wow. tell these stories.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, I understand that Babylon took you, uh, took more than a, a decade to, to finally be published. Well, why, why, why do you think this was the case?
1: When I, I wrote Babylon, um, it was immediately after writing The Fruit of Her Hands. And I, was i literally fell in love with this book i mean i know we fall in love with all of our books but this one i think this was your
0: your favorite child
1: (laughs) this was my favorite child and i was stunned when my agent of the time had a very lukewarm response to it Mm -hmm. um but she did her job she put it out there Um, But the problem was it was a recession year. It was 2009, and so I got a lot of rave rejections. A lot of "If only I could publish this, but right now is not the time." So I ended up saying, "Okay, you know, I've tried it. I put it on the shelf, and I went to write my next book." and so it was actually, um, and I, I I came back to it every once in a while. I touched it up. I got some very good advice from people in how to make it even more compelling. But mm-hmm. it wasn't. It wasn't until I I belonged to a um, a Facebook group of Jewish women writers. And there, someone said, oh, look, there's this new Jewish imprint out there, Wicked Sun Books. Um, you know, maybe some of us would be interested in it. Well, I, I certainly was. And I sent out um, a query letter the next day um, and waited for quite a while and finally figured, well, you, maybe they're not interested. Um, but then got. An email from the publisher saying, um, "I really love the first part of this novel. I think I may want to publish it. I'm going to keep reading." Ah. Which, is, which is a very mixed message if you think about it, Merrill. Um, because you know, I think I may publish it. Um, yeah. So I was on. Um, so
0: how, did, how did you feel about that?
1: <laughs> I, I was, I, I compulsively checked my email, like for the next couple of months, hmm. when finally, um, he wrote me back and said, I'd like to set up a phone call. And this, you know, the phone call was the indication, yes, he was going to publish it. So but that um, was,
0: yeah, that boy, that that must have been very difficult.
1: It was, it was, it was first of all, it was an, oh my God. And then it was a, let's, we, I had, as you know, publishing requires tons and tons of patience. So that-
0: And often, (laughs) often, you know, the almost don't materialize.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So I feel incredibly fortunate that this book, which I always thought, would someday be published
0: just kind of see the light of day wow well there's just as i said so much to unpack here so let me ask you um something that was really troubling me um about the about about a a a topic that you discussed uh in the book um i was (laughs) it was very very interesting but but troubling. So that was the uh, discussion of, of castration. And I really just wanted to ask you, um, did this actually happen to all Jewish slaves who worked in the King's court and, and why? And why did you think it was important to include in the book?
1: So there are sources that talk about how Daniel, who worked in the um, in, in the court and others, um, had to be castrated because of the fact that they were serving um, royalty, and royalty was akin to d- deity, and therefore, you know, they had to be um, they had to be, you know, basically unable to conceive children so it was um,
0: ba- like celibacy celibacy, um, they, the the celibacy taken
1: to the extreme. extreme yes that's the word i was searching for mm-hmm. um, and so um and so that was the the reason i felt like it was you know um something that needed to be included um, in 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 this novel because you know it's the slaves in um in the palace lived these rich lives but they were forced into this and they really had no choice and again even even Daniel the prophet um had been um castrated I know that's so, that's
0: just a difficult um, that that's difficult, at least for me to wrap my head around.
1: <laughs> I, I I don't disagree. I, and it was um I mean, a lot of people who have read early for early um, drafts of the novel have commented that the castration chapter, Um, which is only the aftermath, I always keep saying that, it's only the aftermath, I don't literally show castration.
0: Well, Um, we should make that, we should make that clear, but that just seems, uh, you know, well, certainly very, very archaic and, and, and very troubling, but yeah, so I was just wondering if that was actually the, the case or not.
1: Yeah, that's
0: what my research showed me, that it was, in fact, the case. Okay, okay. So so there are many um, fascinating characters uh, in the book, and I think you do a wonderful job in bringing them to life. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Sarah, Mara, and Chava, and what inspired you, um, to write about them, and what did you want modern day readers to um, think about through these characters?
1: So Sarah, of course, um, starts the novel off. Um, she's um, she's a very strong woman. Um, she is able to make a life for herself um, in Babylon through many, many, many challenges. Um, And she really is the glue that holds the family together, which is something I think a lot of um, modern-day readers will resonate with. Um, Her her daughter, Mara, um, really, to me, represented the um, the real struggle in trying to keep faith with God under these incredibly difficult circumstances. She's brought, um, you know, into uh, servitude in the palace due to the fact that, um, you know, uh, her, her father had made a promise to one of the princesses. Um, and she struggled with her faith. Um, and she really becomes very bitter. In fact, the Hebrew name Mara means bitterness. Right. Um, um, and so um, it's only towards the end of the novel that she becomes reconciled um, with her faith, with God. Um, and so that, again, I think is very important under really difficult circumstances how women have to find their strengths and and rebound in terms of Chava Chava one reader pointed out to me that Chava is kind of Sarah um, you know uh, redone she, this is Sarah's goddaughter she is the one that actually ends up back on the farm in Judea mm. she is she gives her grandmother the tremendous gift of sacrificing herself in a way to be able to bring Sarah home to the farm that she had lost. Um, And she is able to make her life back in Judea under really, um, again, somewhat difficult circumstances. Um, but she has just as much strength um, as her grandmother had in doing so.
0: Right. Do, um, who are your favorite characters? If you had any in this favorite child of your book, did you have a favorite character or characters?
1: I. You know what? I think um, all of them. Uh which I know it's like you know how can you choose among your children but you choose among them I think for very very different reasons Mm -hmm. obviously these three um really shown out but also um on the other side of things I love Sarah who is the musician who um falls in love with Sarah I loved who is Mm -hmm. the scribe um and who you know one of the ways that the Jews kept faith with God was through taking the time while in Babylon to mm-hmm. write down all of many, many, many of the stories that end up in the Bible. Um, and so Uli is the one who is able to um, really, um, he, he, he writes the, um, the, the stories from Genesis and he struggles with their, their messages um, he also marries Zakiti, who is his Babylonian wife, um, and, and really theirs is, is a wonderful love affair, um, that, you know, and so there's, there were many, many characters, I guess is what I'm saying, that I really fell in love with.
0: So, Michelle, I think all, all writers of historical fiction, um, have to think about this so how how do you decide which elements of the story you're going to fictionalize and and do you have any rules for yourself about this
1: I think the most important rule that I have is that um the story has to come first So, um, a really good example of this is, uh, toward the end of the book, is I relate how Ezra the prophet um, comes to Jerusalem, which he did do, and who who basically um, exiles the non-Jewish wives and children um, in order to sort of purify the Jewish faith. that is really
0: horrible by modern day standards
1: absolutely um and so the, the i i basically condensed history to make this happen in the same time period because it basically happened almost 100 years later mm-hmm. so, so um so one of the things i have i do allow myself to do is i allow i allow myself to sort of Cherry pick um, those historical moments that I really want to tell, and mm-hmm. it, you know, and sometimes timeline-wise, if I had stretched that book out another hundred years, I'd never have been able to finish it, mm-hmm. um, and it also wouldn't have had the impact. So I think mm-hmm. my basic rule is, is is story first, but trying to be as real to the history and to the facts of the time as I possibly can.
0: Right. Well, you know, you it, it it is an ancient story, but it certainly has um I don't know if you want to say it's a cautionary tale or it certainly um has resonance uh, for for modern readers. Um, can you um, talk to us about? Uh, the theme of assimilation versus keeping faith, which runs um, not only through Babylon but through your through your other novels as well,
1: absolutely. Um, and it is absolutely a theme that I keep coming back to time and again. Um, the the difficulty I think that the Judeans faced is that they um, their god was vanquished. And in ancient times, you know, basically the the feeling was if one god vanquishes another, it is the more powerful of the gods. So in this case, they were faced, the the Judeans were faced with um, a vanquished god. They were faced with the loss of the temple, um, which was the center of religion for them at the time and they had to learn how to um they had to learn how to sustain their faith without without the temple without the ability to sacrifice um and so they turned to prayer which you know i think is is shown with daniel kneeling by his window three times a day facing jerusalem and to transcribing the stories of their, their um, culture, of their face. Um, but in many, many ways, it really was a struggle. I mean, you, you're picked up and you're transported to this amazing empire, far, far wealthier than anything that you've ever experienced before. And so how, how could it possibly not be a temptation? And I show one of Sarah's daughters um, actually ends up fully embracing the Babylonian culture to the, to the point where her children um, pray to their idols um, before eating dinner that day. And then Sarah has to witness this, which in a lot of ways is akin to um, many of us today who welcome, and I really mean welcome, um, non-Jewish members into our families, and have to, you know, witness how that culture um, is brought into our families, and it can be difficult. I can tell you that from experience.
0: It, but it, but it is a, it is a fact of uh, life today. Um, I believe the latest figure was that more than 70 percent of Jews marrying today are intermarried. So um how how did the Jews um survive as a people when so many ancient communities did not? And how do we continue to survive as, as we assimilate? You know, was, that, was that a question you wanted um the readers to think about
1: i think it's a question i want readers to think about thank you for giving me an out because <laughs> i don't i don't have an answer to your last question um, how do we do it i think often um, it is um again i i speak from experience um, i have um both my sons are, are either married or marrying um not um non-jewish Okay. Um, But certainly I think that it it ends up being sort of a meshing of the traditions that they had. I mean, they they come to my house every year for the Seder, we light the candles, we do, you know, um, a number of of things that, um, you know, and they plan to preserve this in their own families. Right. I, is, is that enough? I, I don't know. I mean, it was very much a cautionary tale that um, at this point, Israel was um, basically in two pieces. Um, and a hundred years before, the, um, the Israelite kingdom was um, basically conquered by the Assyrians. And this is sort of where the Ten Lost Tribes come in. Um, because they fully assimilated into the various places that they were sent in their own exile. So um, I I think that we had to work really, really hard um, to keep our faith uh, in Babylon. And maybe maybe that's the answer, is that we have to sustain our faith in any ways that we can and in different ways, because that was kind of the clue in Babylon is that they were able to do this in different ways from what they were used to back in Judea.
0: And maybe there are different ways required for the 21st century. Exactly. So were there any other um, questions or themes that that you wanted to raise for readers?
1: I think that um, you know. Certainly, I, I hope that readers will come to this this novel, um, you know, hoping for a a great story, um, which I know is not a theme. Um, but that's okay. I think, <laughs> but um, I and um, certainly that there's a great deal to learn from the um the challenges that our ancient um ancient ancestors faced i also feel like actually this is a good point um that we don't we don't think about the babylonian exile that much when we think about jewish history um, we, 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 we certainly think about, you know, um, the, the biblical past. We think about the, um, the Jews coming out of Egypt. And then we sort of, a lot of us just sort of skip over to the Romans. But I think what the Babylonians did for Jewish religion was able to give us the tools to survive when we were in the the even greater exile um, in the diaspora, when the Romans sort of threw us out of our own country.
0: That's fascinating. That's interesting. Thank you. Um, So I understand that you're expecting the birth of another novel next year. Do you want to tell us a little
1: about it? Sure. Absolutely. So this is the sequel to Beyond the Ghetto Gates. Um, and um, in Beyond the Ghetto Gates, of course, this was centered on Napoleon's demolishing the Ghetto Gates throughout Italy while he was still a young general. And it also told the story of um, Morel, of Daniel and Christophe, uh, Daniel and Christoph being young soldiers with Napoleon. Um, the, Napoleon's mirage follows Daniel and Christoph as they accompany Napoleon on this very, very strange expedition into Egypt, um, which he basically did as a way to counter British forces. That were um, in India. Napoleon actually had ambitions that he would conquer Egypt and then move um, to India and conquer India, which, of course, never happened, Um, but the book continues. Daniel and Kristoff's story um, as well as Morel's story. She's back in Ancona. Uh, She is facing a great many difficulties because her her society um, has basically branded her as a ruined woman, and she's finding it very difficult. Um, And so this story takes us through um, Napoleon's conquest of Egypt with many, many, many mistakes that he makes. And then his march into Israel, including um, his defeat uh, in Acre. Um, And it also talks about his proclamation to the Jews, which supposedly um, gives the Jews a um, promises the Jews a Jewish homeland in Jerusalem years and years and years before the Zionists, and of course we know that didn't happen either. And the whole story of the proclamation of the Jews is one that historians do not agree on, which I I thought was fascinating to play with.
0: Wow. Well, I'm really looking forward um, to that. I I loved. Uh beyond the ghetto gates i i'm really looking forward uh to meeting these characters again and um your your new novel babylon is just a a very um mesmerizing um intricate uh story um that that you're telling um where can our listeners find you online michelle
1: so my website is um, Michelle Cameron.com. And I am also on Instagram at Michelle Cameron Writer and on Facebook um, as um, Michelle Cameron Author. So those are places that I can be found.
0: Okay, great. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Michelle Cameron. The new book is Babylon. I also want to thank our executive producer, Pam Stack. People of the Book is a copyrighted presentation of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Please visit us and like our Facebook page, People of the Book. I'm your host, Meryl Ayn, the author of The Takeaway Men, the sequel, Shadows We Carry, is available now. For more information about my books and writing, visit me at Merrillain.com. Until next time, please join us on Facebook at Jews Love to Read and read a good book.